As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd coming at you Saturday, day four of the league year. And obviously the big news is that the Browns have added Jakeem Grant. They brought back Anthony Walker, and that's what we're here to talk about today. So, um, yeah, uh, this week brought big news of a big search, um, high drama, all sorts of stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean... it's hard for me to even make light of, of any of it, but we were informed on Thursday that the Browns were out of the running for Deshaun Watson. We started looking at the other options. Baker Mayfield requested a trade. Um, we weren't sure how it was going to plan out, pan out. And then out of nowhere, Jason, on Friday afternoon, uh, the Browns had secured Deshaun Watson with a contract built with built-in suspension protections and the largest single contract guarantee in NFL history. The Browns have their quarterback. Um, he will. Nothing's official for, from the Browns side yet, right? But here we have an absolute stunner. Here we have a seismic shift in expectations, in scrutiny, and something that had been in the works for a long time, that's obvious. Um, not something I thought would actually come to fruition, right? And, and here it is, and gosh, there's a lot of layers to it. I don't even know I, where do we start? Do we start with the mess of the off-field allegations? Do we start with how he improves this team, which he does immensely? Like, what is the what's yeah. the correct path here? Like, well, what are we supposed I mean, just, to do? Yeah. So, say it was four o'clock. I think it was a little before four o'clock Friday, right? Yep. Um, not fifteen minutes later, Jason and I and and one of the high-ranking and really good editors we have on staff were on a call that lasted. More than 20 minutes, maybe 30, talking about who's handling what, how do we do this? And that was the same thing. Where do we even start? Well, of course we're going to write tonight. Of course we're going to react to this. Of course we're going to podcast. But it's not like any of these angles are going to go away, right? Um, let's let's start with what's out there. And everybody knows it's 22 pending civil suits um, alleging sexual, sexual misconduct, sexual assault, um, 
serious, disgusting stuff. Um, the trade market opened up last week when a grand jury failed to indict Deshaun Watson. Um, the civil suits are still pending. And on the morning that he interviewed with the Browns, he gave two hours worth of deposition um, in those suits. And he's eventually going to be called in all of those suits from what we know right now. Uh, a personal conduct suspension is is potentially coming if, you know, depending on, on settlement of these things. Um, people are disgusted by this. We, we read the emails and the tweets and the DMs and all of that, right? Um, the Browns chose to sign him anyway. So, um to, to, to trade for him and sign him. Let's not forget they gave up three first-round picks, uh, four picks in total because they got one back, five picks and getting one back. Uh, it's it's hard to talk about. It's the, They're just accusations, right? But they're disgusting, and here they are. Um, and here he is eventually. I mean, let, let, let's just be honest, guys. Um, the Browns structured the contract to make the base salary for 2022 $1 million because if he's suspended, it will come out of that. That's slimy. It makes your skin crawl. It's business. Um, you know, the Browns know a suspension might be coming. The Browns know it's there. They did it anyway. And the reason the team has not officially announced it is because they don't know what they're going to say publicly. That's slimy. That's disgusting. It's business. And here we are talking about it. Yeah, I had a, a friend of mine, a, buddy, a golf buddy of mine, who has worked in high level um, business side with the teams in town in the past, reached out to me, texted me and said, uh, uh, the, the contract structure feels like basically they, they, it's settlement payments. If he can settle these suits, they have, they, they basically been able to cover this for him. The 45 million signing bonus would obviously be able to cover any sort of payoffs to the uh, alleged victims in the case. And then, as you said, the million-dollar base salary covers any – so he's not going to lose any money, basically. And right. and it's it's shrewd business, but, boy, it makes your stomach churn a little bit. And his side hasn't been heard. And, you know, we'll see what he has to say uh, when he speaks, and that's going to be an awkward press conference. Everybody knows it. Everybody with the Browns knows it. And I think they're going to work hard to sort of button up Make sure their messaging is on point, and and there's there's a lot of hard questions that they're going to have to deal with, um, and 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 can we be honest? Like for as many Browns fans as are upset today, and I I get it. Like it kind of made my stomach churn right along with you, and Zach. You and I wrote that last week, and for some reason people thought I was trying to like excuse them. Listen, I'm not excusing them. I wrote that I thought it was awful. Some of the allegations are horrific. This is the NFL. And your job is to win games. And if he can help you win games, you're going to pursue him. Because if you don't, somebody else will. And they're going to use him to beat you. All the teams that were chasing Deshaun Watson are on the Browns' schedule this year. And if you want to be angry, be angry at the NFL for making these guys eligible. Because once the NFL says they're good to go, there's no honor among thieves and they're going to go. And, and they're, going to, they're going to sign these guys and, and that's that. And for all the people that are upset now... The Browns are counting on that to sort of dissipate as the winds pile up. And we don't, we can go through the list. Ben Roethlisberger is going to have a statue outside Heinz Field. He got a roaring ovation, Zach, 
when we were there for the last game of the season, they were hailing him a hero as he walked off the field. Jim Brown is a statue in Cleveland. And on and on and on. So the farther away you get from these allegations, if he can get this cleaned up, the farther you separate and distance yourself from it, if he can come in here and have success, a lot of this, it's just the reality. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make you feel any better. But if they're 12 and 5 next year or 13 and 4 next year, we're not going to be talking about this a year from now. And that's just the reality of it. Yeah, and I really didn't plan to make this the transition, Jason, but these are the facts. The Browns could be the AFC's number one seed. Or the Browns could be a complete disaster, right? I mean, we don't know what's going to come of these allegations. We're talking about a guy who has this hanging over his head, who has not played football in a year, who's coming to a completely new environment, and it's going to be a completely new environment for, for most of this team, right? We've seen what's happened the last two times. The Cleveland Browns came into a season with extra expectations and extra scrutiny. They yep. flopped on their face. Yep. I don't necessarily think those things are related, right? But but they have. And I said it months ago right here on this podcast. If you get to Sean Watson, you're looking at one awkward press conference, a couple days, angry sports radio and Twitter, right? And then the and opportunity to – Yeah. But then the opportunity to move forward. The fact is we don't know what the resolution is of these lawsuits is going to be. We don't know what the NFL's judgment on the personal conduct policy is going to be. We, we don't know how it's, how it's going to play out. Um, what we do know is that the Cleveland Browns were well aware of this, were well-researched into this, and are more than aware at the top, at every level of the organization, of how many of you are receiving this. If you are out on the Browns, that's fine. And they're living with that too. So the fact is, on September 9th or 14th or whatever it is, they have a game, and they are counting on Deshaun Watson being their quarterback then and for the next five years and probably for more like 10 or more. And in that, what kind of redemption, what kind of further ugliness, whose faith do they lose, whatever, they're trying to win games and trying to win championships. And what we're going to do, writing and talking about them, is talk about that. When there's other tentacles to it, of course, we're going to do that. But, I mean, these are all, Jason, These you, you look at these guys, you would think that the reputations of Kevin Stefanski, of Andrew Barry, of Paul DePodesta, they're viewed as good people, as smart people, as family men, as people who are doing a good job for this organization, trying to get it out of the depths. Well, they decided, knowing all of this, knowing every ounce of it, probably way more than we know, any of us on the outside, not just we, me, and you, right? Um, they decided to do it, and here they are. There's no turning back now. And and let's talk for a minute about, about why they did it. And, you know, Zach, you and I were talking on the phone a couple minutes before we started this podcast, and, and I, I – so when's the last time a quarterback of his caliber in the prime of his career – became available. It doesn't happen. The answer, the answer that I found was 60 years ago, Fran Tarkin was traded for two firsts and two seconds in like 1967. Like that's what we're talking about here. You're going back 50 plus years, almost 60 years for the last time an all pro caliber quarterback was available. When you get these guys, you don't trade them. And, and so that's why the Browns made the move that they did on the field. And 
you know, you, you, you can understand the, the on-field production, why they went about this. Zach, you mentioned earlier they could be the favorites for the Super Bowl. I mean, P- Patrick Mahomes is the crown jewel of quarterbacks in the AFC mm-hmm. and in the NFL. Agreed? Yes, no doubt. After him, who's the second best quarterback in the AFC? It well, could be Josh- Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it could be. It's probably Josh Allen, right? Probably, it yeah. It, when, when I say that, I don't class, mean to say that the Browns will be the favorites. I'm saying when you think about what it this go offense, anyway. yes, yeah, what this offense can be with a defensive effort that's even mostly like last year's. I mean, guys, we're talking about going from some of the worst quarterback play you could ever possibly see in the NFL. To a guy that, like I said, yeah, could be second, could be fifth, could be whatever. It's certainly young, dynamic. You're talking about elements to this offense that didn't exist before in talent and mobility and extending plays and all of that stuff, right? And fleeing the wrist and chucking it 30 yards down the field. In the game not being over when you're down by four with two minutes left. Uh, And again, like it, it could also go the other way. I mean, Deshaun Watson's been a shotgun quarterback. Deshaun Watson's never, you know, he's never had this offensive line in this running game. He's this is this is all new. This is all new. The coaching, the scrutiny, the expectations. But the Browns are saying we're in. We, we were not going to get left behind. And you know, Paul De Podesta has been here since 2016, and we don't know exactly what he does, and we might never know exactly what he does. But from the few times we've been able to talk to him, and from the few things we've been able to gather is it's his job to coordinate things and look at how things have been done before and present all sorts of ways for the, how, how the Browns could, could do things right. There just was not going to be a quarterback available realistically to the Browns. And so they took whatever we thought percentage wise, realistically Watson was two months ago, eight days ago, Jason, and they went and made it happen and they were all in on that as the contract and they got him with the bags of cash, right? Let's not be fooled by, by, by anything else, but they were all, all in on that. And they sat in the room, Andrew Barry, Stefanski and the Haslam's um, made their pitch, gave final sign off. We would, we would venture to guess. Right. And now he's, he's the Browns quarterback, assuming he's eligible to play and assuming, you know, all, all things, um, go in the way of him avoiding issues from here on out. It is indisputable. Even the, the staunchest Baker Mayfield supporter has to believe deep down in his heart, Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback. It's not even close. He's a three-time Pro Bowl, led the league in passing in 2020. His worst career or his worst year passer rating is better than Baker's best as a pro. There is no comparison. Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback. That's why the Browns made the move. When when you get past Patrick Mahomes, you get to that the the rest of the elite list: Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar. Uh, if you want, to put Derek Carr in there. He's pretty freaking good. That, right there is what one, two. That, that's seven guys, and you add Deshaun. That's eight for seven playoff spots. There's eight, and that's not even counting the Steelers and the Patriots, who are always in the playoffs. And we'll see what they look like, you know, with with Mitch Trubisky in Pittsburgh now. But there's 10 teams for seven playoff spots. The Browns did not have a chance to be in that upper elite with the quarterback that they had. They have a chance now. That's why they made the move. That's why they're holding their nose and diving in, and they're going to take the punches, and they're going to take the bullets, and they're going to take the knife wounds right now because they're counting on 
him performing at a level that this franchise, frankly, has never seen out of the quarterback play before. Right. Like, uh, I've been wrong like once or twice before, probably not three times. But three <laughs> years ago last week, I wrote that the Odell Beckham trade was the biggest trade in franchise history. And some of the older fans got mad at me and some logical people said hyperbole. But that was the Browns announcing we are out of the doldrums. We're going for it. We're, we're ready for all this. And clearly they weren't. It was a bust, right? From top to bottom, organizational bust. Everybody was fired 10 months later. And and the cycle um, started all over again, right? But this trade, when you talk about the talent level, the position level, um, the announcing of we are no longer going to accept, you know, mediocrity or uncertainty or immaturity or disappoint all, all of those things. And, and that's not to say that they're going to be 15 and two, but this trade could mark one way or the other, probably right. It's going to mark the uh, brand new. I mean, if, if this guy plays at 90% of the capability and you all of a sudden have a window and you get to where you haven't been and the previous guy wasn't going to take you, then yeah, this is this, this is huge. And so I guess what I'm trying to say here, Jason, is I'm a little hesitant based on past misses, based on just knowing how loaded so many teams are. But 24 hours ago, you had generously the ninth best quarterback situation in the AFC. Yep. Right? And now, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, it's more than fair to debate on talent and on offensive potential if you're not right there in the top three and you're you're in the area code and you are good enough on paper to go for it big prizes the biggest prize it's attainable with Deshaun Watson yeah i mean you got to get past the other stuff and it's a big ask at this point but on the field i mean you talk about where the trade ranks easily the biggest trade in franchise history i would argue it's one of the biggest trades in the history of the nfl when you take everything into consideration, all of the off-field no stuff, doubt. the draft capital that the, that the Browns surrendered for this move. Again, a quarterback that, with his numbers, in the prime of his career, these guys don't become available ever. 60 years. You have to go back almost 60 years to find the last time. We're not talking Joe Montana going from the Niners to the Chiefs. And, you know, I understand it wasn't a trade free agency. Tom Brady to the from the Patriots to the Bucks. These were guys at the end of their careers. And by the way, I'm not trying to say Deshaun Watson's one of the greatest of all time. Like, you know, clearly he hadn't even been to a Super Bowl yet, let alone win one. But when you look at what he's already accomplished numbers wise, the Pro Bowls that he's attained, leading the league in passing, where his rank is, the way that teams view him, for him to be moved in the prime of his career. To me, this is one of the biggest trades in the history of the NFL. And yeah, he actually has fewer starts than Baker at this point of his career. That's unbelievable. Yeah. He played six games his rookie year. They didn't want to start him, right? Uh, They put him in. It was a Thursday night game right off the bat. He took off on a 50-yard run. He made the offense look alive, and then he played. And then I think he got hurt in practice, like at midseason that year. So he played six or seven games. Um, And that's why the Browns ended up with the number four pick, because – he was three and three, and, yep. and the Texans were energized. Yep. And then he got hurt, and the season tanked. The Browns ended up with a number four pick because they passed on him. I mean, if you're listening to this, you knew that, right? 
um, and of all the disgraceful decisions in, in franchise history during the draft, that's, that's one of them. But um, look, I, I just think if, you know, as we write, as we talk about it, there's, there's no escaping what's out there and what the Browns have laid on the line. Why, why the Browns, even with this done, you know, why Barry and Stefanski and the Haslam's probably aren't sleeping well until they get out and, and tackle these things, which they haven't done yet. Right. But the goal of the football organization is to go for it. And through the years and years of the chief strategy officer, the years and years of disappointment and this GM and this coach seeing last year that their honeymoon period was over, seeing that they've done pretty well, nobody's perfect building a team, seeing they're off to a decent start. Maybe, you know, the truth is always in the middle, right? So maybe 2020 was a little fast and maybe 2021 could have been better with like two things going a different way. They're sitting there and saying we're on the cusp, but we're stuck at the game's most important position. Guys, the NFL in 2022, is it slimy and grimy? Sure shit is. Has been for those aforementioned 60 years, right? But it's about passing the ball, rushing the passer, and having corners to help to, to help slow down the other team's passer. The Browns looked at their corners and they said, really good. The Browns looked at their pass rushers and said, one of the top three guys in the league, one of the top three freaks in the universe We'll see how it works out there. They looked at the passer and they said, there will never be an opportunity like this again. So here they are all in and it's all bust. <laughs> it's all or bust. Um, and it's, it's wild. Like, like this is a team that was going to be picked 24 hours ago. This is a team that was going to be picked to be third in the division. This was a team that was going to have a good roster and have a chance to compete for a playoff spot. This is a team that in no way, shape, or form was a real AFC championship contender. Right, Jason? That's that's more than fair to say. Correct. Right? Yep. This was a the youngest GM in history who, you know, obviously earned his way here, who comes off as a nice guy, who's overseen more victories than his predecessors in two years, right? Than like several of his predecessors combined did in their 20 months on the job. Nobody seemed to get more than that. And now they're all in. So again. You can take a hard line stance one way or the other. You can take the wait and see. That's up to you. And given the seriousness here, I understand. But the trajectory has changed for the Browns. Maximum primetime games, maximum expectations, maximum spotlight on everything they do. And now it's no longer dance around with maybe we'll push this cap decision back. Maybe we'll just play the younger guy here. You know, we'll, we'll slug it out here. Of course, over the course of a football season, those things go. But every decision is about right now. I don't think the door is closed on veterans. Clowney, even Jarvis Landry to an extent, coming back. I don't think the door is closed. I don't think Odell's coming back. But like going and getting a name guy because now you have a quarterback who those you know receivers who have been around the block might want to play with. When you do need to fill in that last spot on defense, and it's May or June, and there's that 30-year-old guy who's got a reputation, might want to come here and do that. And, I mean, against Burrow, against Lamar, Josh Allen's on the schedule. Um, you know, like, these games are going to be big, and the spotlight's going to be intense, and, and it's what it's supposed to be. It's just what it hasn't been around here. Uh, but it's it's what it's supposed to be. And it just – this this other stuff is out there. We can talk about it now. We, we can't guess on how it's really going to go. I want to circle back one thing you mentioned about 
the, the trade that the Browns made. I mean, Denzel Ward is on this team because of that trade. But at the, at the same time, it's pretty clear, to me at least, I mean, Jimmy Haslam passed on Deshaun once. He was not going to pass again. And they were just going to keep adding zeros to the check until Deshaun said okay. And and so he you know, now he wound up with both of them. So now, I mean it cost him three firsts, and I want to I want to ask you something about that in a minute. But now you have Miles Garrett, the number one pick from that draft. You have Deshaun Watson, who you could have had at 12 and then traded down, and you also have Denzel Ward, who we would assume will sign a pretty hefty contract here in the near future. So now you wound up with all three of them. It costs you deeply with three number ones. And I, I mean, this year, okay, you know, they could have got a really, really talented receiver, obviously at number 13 or, or a pretty good edge rusher at 13. The quarterback's more important. Next year's, next year's one is what is sort of fascinating to me. What if Deshaun is suspended eight games, 10 games? That could be a really high pick. So just like the Browns cashed in when Deshaun got hurt and wound up with the number four pick, that number one next year is super interesting to me. If Deshaun gets a four-game suspension or whatever, okay, fine. The Browns can ride it out for four weeks and and off you go. But if it's a substantial, significant suspension, which, I mean, Kareem Hunt got eight games. I don't think eight games is out of the question for Deshaun. And, and and listen, like you said, you've got your guy for the next 10 years. So you just you deal with the suspension and off you mm-hmm. go. But that could be a really valuable number one next year, depending on the length of suspension this year. Yeah. And, and listen, a lot of people said all along that this analytics driven front office doesn't want to give up any number ones. But that tells you the value of the position and the player that, that right. they thought. That's part of their all in risk. Uh, part of that gamble is they're saying that pick's going to be 24 or later and they'll be fine. Right? And they're probably um, right in two years. It probably is 24 later. Next year, I think, is the wild card. It is. It is. Well, but that, that's the whole thing. I mean, this is about winning and settling. And, and you know, the Browns have a fair number of needs right now. And obviously, we're not talking about them because we're talking about one guy and, and one trade. But you're always going to. And when you trust your front office, you trust that they can go find scrap heap guys. This team's done a pretty good job of that. They trust that you can find in the middle rounds that you can maneuver. I mean, what's Andrew Barry done in his drafts? Well, he's he's targeted young guys with high athletic, you know, relative athletic scores and and freaky athleticism, thinking that as they mature, that that will translate into them becoming top level NFL players. Well, he's added middle round picks. You know, they've drafted young guys that they feel like are sitting in the bullpen, so to speak. Um, for various reasons. Like, you're going to have flexibility and free agency, and when you win, you are a destination. When you have a quarterback, receivers and tight ends want to come play with you, and and to an extent, pass rushers and linebackers and safeties and everyone else. So, yeah, that, that's part of the whole gamble. I mean, it is fair to wonder if this team has a huge need next year and Deshaun gets suspended or something else goes wrong and they've squandered the 14th pick let's say, right, um, and knowing they don't have one the year after either. But they're laying it out there. They can budget, Jason, the cap, thinking they have a quarterback. They can budget their draft picks thinking they have a quarterback. They can budget their free agent thinking and decisions they make on guys here after the draft, here at the end of training camp when they make the cuts. Everything can be done with all that in mind. So, you know, it's, it's of course, things you talk about, but you make this trade thinking we are getting high-level quarterback play. 
in a league where high-level quarterback play is the most important factor in winning, in sustained winning, and in giving you a chance to win on those days when you don't, when something's against you, when you don't have your best stuff, or it's a game you're not supposed to win. And they had just seen the offense hit a point of, well, things are perfect, we can succeed. And when things aren't, we can't. And so now they went through a whole, you know, cleansing, right? Self-study, all of that stuff. They have gone and added a defensive lineman. They have gone and added a kick returner slash uh, potential slot guy. You know, they, they've got other things, but they feel like if we have Deshaun Watson, all of a sudden we feel a lot better about our third guard and our uncertainty at center and who the hell is going to be our third safety because, man, we can score in two plays because we've got this guy that's going to give us a chance. So that's what the bet is. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, let's cherry pick just a couple of guys real quick and go through the roster. Uh, Jadavian Clowney. I would say the outlook is a little rosier than it was 24 hours ago. But I don't know. Um, You know, I think Jadavian was always pretty clear. And I'm going to get my money. Uh, Last year, it didn't happen until, you know, free agency starts on a Monday. And in March, it had happened on like a Wednesday at 10 in the morning in April. Um, It's when he wanted to sign. It's when he was ready. And, you know, Chandler Jones got all that money and Khalil Mack got traded. And if Javian might have said, no, I'm not going to be in those guys' league anyway, I'll wait and see. So um, we're really just beginning the second wave of free agency. And some guys know they're going to be in that wave. Some teams call guys and say, hey, we've got other business at quarterback or wherever to attend to, and then we're going to get there. Um, I'm going to put it at 55-45. On that, I, I I know that's probably a boring answer if you're listening, but I, I really think it still could still go either way. Well, obviously he's going to go where the highest offer is, and that's going to take time to find because he's only interested in cash and checks. Which, hey, man, that's his right. This is a a short window to maximize your earning potential. Go for it. But I just wonder. I don't think he is back because and and listen, I, I I'm not studying the the Browns cap particularly since this move. Do they have the money? I guess they do, right? Because the the million dollar minimum doesn't really impact, or the million dollars on Deshaun's base salary for this year doesn't really impact their cap greatly, right? Like they should still have, at least for this year, they should still have some flexibility. Yeah, they will. Um, And they're going to get 18 when they trade Baker. When they trade Baker. So, yeah. So so you got to sign Denzel, right? You still have to do something at wide receiver. And you have to do a lot on the defensive line. So... I just think I think they would love to have Clowney, and I think that they know that that Clowney can help them. But to give twelve ish 
I think they would prefer to have done that to a younger player. That ship has probably sailed. Uh, it's probably just a stare down. And, and I've said all along, I could be wrong on this. I, I think I'm 90% Denzel's getting signed sometime between now and July 30th. I just think they did not want to commit that kind of mega dollar extension until they knew exactly what was going to happen to quarterback. And even however slightly the door may have been cracked on Deshaun Watson or someone like that, I think um, that that's what they were waiting for. So I think once once the draft is over and once the dust kind of settles, I think that Denzel will be first up. I think Jim Davies back only if the Browns give him the highest offer. Uh, and I don't, I don't know at this point if that'll, if, if that'll ring true or not. Uh, and then we'll see. So, so let's talk about Baker for a minute. And, and what is his legacy in Cleveland? Wow. I thought we were going to talk about the other quarterback. Um, this is going to be our first forever long civilized barking. Right? Um, <laughs> do you want to, do you want to, do you want to make that the cliffhanger and do another one later on when they trade him? We could do no, that. I, no, I didn't mean to we, drop we, that on you, but no, we could do both. Look, um, Baker Mayfield is going to be in the Browns Legends Club. Whether Baker will show up for that and accept that, <laughs> I don't know. But Baker Mayfield was the number one pick. He was one of the faces, arguably the face of the turnaround. He, Yes, the bar was super low, but he ignited the city, the franchise. He put himself out there. Um, I, clearly, if you guys have listened to Red, I've only told the truth about Baker Mayfield. I'm not a fan. Um, he's an average talent. But he's not a terrible quarterback. He's not. He has a lot of growing up to do. Um, but, man, he can turn on the charm at times. And, man, he's played some great games. He could still have an NFL career. His legacy here with the Browns is one that will be remembered fondly, that should be remembered fondly. What happened here, guys, is the Browns said we cannot get to the next step with Baker Mayfield. And that's fact, right? And that's why a little bit of the drama from this week was overblown. Um but, yeah, I, I believe he should and will be remembered finally here. I believe he still has a chance to have some level of success, and, and by that I mean make the playoffs potentially as an NFL starting quarterback. And, you know, where it goes from here probably determine, probably determined some by his maturity, by his health, certainly by the system that he gets in because we've seen him succeed when, when the circumstances around him are really good. We've seen him as much as cheesy and cliche as it is, I do think he does perform better in small windows when he's super pissed off and doubted. And then I think reality catches up to an extent. Right. But yeah, uh, the quick answer there without giving away my column <laughs> is that I think Baker Mayfield will deservedly be a member of the Cleveland Browns legend someday. If he shows up, if he shows up, what are they going to get for him? Uh, probably not a second day pick. Probably like a four and something else, um, a four and a player, two fives. Who's gonna? Like that. I mean, he's only. Who's gonna command yeah, more, Baker or Jimmy G? Mm, see, I, we don't know with Jimmy G's shoulder. They're both only under contract for one more year, right? Um. Now, Jimmy G's is the throwing shoulder, and Baker's is the other shoulder. Baker's timeline is two months ahead of Jimmy G's, right? Um. You know they've they've really only play, they've played about the exact same amount of football. Jimmy G's older, been in the league since 2014, but um, you know he just he hasn't played because he didn't play. He was he was behind Tom Brady for for so long until they decided it was time to get something for him. Yeah, I don't know because I don't know what's going to happen with Matt Ryan either. Um, and Atlanta thought that they were in this thing with with Deshaun 
And obviously we thought that one team was out as the team that got it. <laughs> so, so there's a little bit of guesswork there. But I would think it's pretty obvious Indy needs a quarterback. It's pretty obvious Seattle isn't going to just roll Drew Locke. Um, you know, I think the Lions are lurking. I think the Panthers should be in the pretty obvious category. I forgot them. You know, then if Atlanta has an opening. So, you know, there's still, to me, significantly more potential buyers than available targets. And realistic buyers, there's probably still one more than there are quarterbacks. So there there is value for Baker. And some team can think that, that we can succeed with him um, next year. And if it does work, you know, possibly beyond. But, yeah, I, I would say probably Seattle, Carolina, Indy. But again, I, it, it's more speculation than anything else. I think I think it's possible to start a bidding war. I, I really do. I, I, now, are you going to get a one for him? No, probably not. But I do think no. that there's enough interest in him that you could sort of pit these teams against each other and drive the price up. Yeah, and 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 without having those rosters, I mean, Indy's in in good cap space. They have some good players. They just they haven't had the quarterback. Right? There might be a player, Jason, like like a safety or a third receiver or something that the Browns might be able to say to say, say, say there's a safety on team a that's available. Right. So the Browns might be able to go to team B and say, look, we're clearly trading Baker. You know, we have no leverage, but we're, we're already pretty good in the fourth round pick department. And like, we can get this guy and a six from them. So up your offer, like you're, you're exactly right in your thinking. It's, is it speculative? Sure. But you're exactly right in your thinking. And that's probably why, you know, the, the player, the offseason conditioning program doesn't start for a month. And even without this crazy week that nobody saw coming of tr- private jet tracking and getting turned down by Deshaun Watson and publicly breaking up with Baker and then getting back with Deshaun Watson, <laughs> like even in all of that, there was still going to be a point this weekend or on Monday where you're always going to dive into the second wave of free agency, yeah. regardless of what happened. Obviously, your plans for that are going to be dictated by what happened in the first, but you're always then going to take you know, a partial reset and say, okay, where are we? So they can sit on it as it gets closer to the draft and see. I mean, the other layer to this whole quarterback thing is that you just – there's just not one ready. I mean, Kenny Pickett's ready to play, but is he even an average starter in the league? I don't know. Are you going to use a first-round pick on him? You know, Malik Willis is tantalizing, and there's in the betting markets there's all sorts of money on him to go number two overall. Well, he's six feet tall, and he's two years away from being ready. So – and we know that that owners and coaches don't and GMs don't have the luxury anymore of, of developing those guys, right? So, I mean, you know, Dane Brugler's mock draft before the Senior Bowl, Malik Willis was going forty three, and now people are betting hundreds of dollars on him to go number two. Wow! Like that's just the nature of the beast, right? Like Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, athletic guy, a lot to like about him. You know, he went back to school last year because he went to the NFL draft committee and they returned a grade that said, you should go back to school because we're not sure you're going to get drafted at all. Wow. So he's, you know, are you taking that guy at number 12 or number nine overall now? You're probably not. So that that's the extra layer to this. And and, then to me, you know, I, I have been writing and saying the Browns will be in on Deshaun Watson for many, many months if it if it comes to that. But up until. And I've told you this publicly and privately. Up until he took the meeting with them five days ago now, I would have said 15% at max. You know, I I just didn't think it was going to. I just didn't think that they would be the ones with the best offer and circumstances would go a certain way and that they actually wanted to do it and that the Texans would do it with them. I just didn't think that would happen. So 
the Browns looked at all of these options, all of these things, and said, we have to go. We have to offer the biggest contract. We have to do this. Give up our three ones. And it was ultimately an offer that, that the Texans wouldn't refuse. And so now all these other teams are like, okay, well, who are we going to love now? Right. Well, it's interesting with Baker. I agree with you. He's good. He's not great. He's certainly not elite. And his it's obviously got messy at the end with the Browns. And his most of his breakups are bad breakups. You look at Texas Tech. You look at Hugh. And I'll give him a pass on Hugh because a lot of people thought Hugh was a phony and whatever else. But it, when it ends with Baker, there is a track record there of it ending in magnificent disaster. And uh, that's that's what we have now. It's very public. It's very messy. It's very ugly. And uh, I'm I'm curious to see where he lands. I'm curious to see the next time he comes to Cleveland and what he has to say when he's traded, what that first press conference will be like. Yeah. Well, again, it's it's not personal, guys. It's fact. There's not one team that sat down in January or February and said, okay, our number one choice would be Baker Mayfield. So why would the Browns do that? Right. 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 It just it just wasn't ever going to happen. <laughs> right. So um yeah, no, how he handles it and all of that, sure. And, and to go back to something you brought up earlier, like there's something in him that was always going to, because he's listening to the noise, always going to make it sound like, well, the Browns did me wrong. I won out. You know, I, I think that probably weighed in the team's thinking across the board. I just think they looked at their options and they said, This is Jimmy G who's always getting hurt and is hurt again. This is Matt Ryan who's thirty seven. And has never played outside. This is Kirk Cousins, and just because we know him doesn't mean we want him. In fact, it might mean the very opposite. He never made it to market anyway. Right. Right. Like, yeah, it was there was real bad choices, <laughs> and so they went and got to Sean Watson. And um, again, they they would have never ever ever let it get to that stage of getting on that plane last Tuesday if they weren't a ready to break up with Deshaun and b completely comfortable to the point that you, you can be comfortable with the shit storm that's coming with the de- delicateness of what's coming and the uncertainty of what it takes to get this guy and having to trust that he's, that he's not only going to get past this, but he's never going to get within 10 miles of anything wrong again. It's an ugly situation. Uh, it's a messy situation, but the Browns got their guy for, the next 10 years, you, it, it seems. Yeah, Wrap us up and get us out of here. Yeah, I, I just think not not to take sides or make light of anything. But, Jason, we've both been around this team. We've both been around other we both, blah, 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 blah. We've both been around high-level sports basically our entire adult lives. Yep. Right? The business of it. Like, high standards and high expectations beat the alternative. You're supposed to be chasing championships. You're supposed to be spending to the cap. You're supposed to be thinking big and gaudy and go for it have the dudes versus not you know deal with the rest later there is always going to be outside noise that's pro sports that's college sports that's that's everything there's always going to be outside noise so if you think the browns finally have two things one you know smart reasonable people who can gauge the room gauge the situation and go do their thing Talk the owners down, talk the owners off the ledge, right? Yep. But be ready to hand, be ready to shoulder all of that. Uh, again, th- this is not this was not one meeting where Stefanski said, "You know what? Why don't you call back?" Right? This was not one day when Haslam said, "Well, why haven't we called on Deshaun Watson?" And Barry said, "You know what? We didn't think of that. Let me dial up Casario <laughs> right now." This was right. 
months and months of maybes and research and investigations and taking the temperature inside and outside. And so it's about the, the point of this rant is it's about what's inside and it's about what you really trust and believe because their jobs were on the line, are on the line. And so the outside noise can only matter to a certain extent. It's about what they do on the outside and how they translate that to Sunday afternoons and, and now evenings and Monday nights and everything else. It's going to be a fascinating season. Uh, hold on tight. Yeah, it sure is. Thank you guys for listening, for reading, subscribing, all of that. Um, there will be another podcast. There will be stuff. Jason, I know you got to get back to writing. Um, I think I, I do too. So um, we appreciate you being along for the ride. And we'll see. There Again, it, it, 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon as we finish recording this, there is no announcement from the Browns. There is no press conference announcement. There is no statement from the owner, from the GM, from anyone. Uh, because this is delicate. And uh, it only... <laughs> I don't know where it goes from here, but stay tuned. We'll see. Thanks for listening. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.